Welcome to the Honest Business Podcast. This is the show for ambitious, value-driven business owners who are actively building a business that works for them. Hi, I'm Mae James, and I'm here to make scaling your business easier and more rewarding than ever. Each week, we will dive into simple, sustainable strategy and pragmatic leadership discussion to support you as you take imperfect action on your entrepreneurial journey. If you want to stay ahead, exceed your growth goals, and have a purposeful, thriving business, then keep on listening. Hello and welcome back to the Honest Business Podcast. I hope you are very well. Welcome to another Q&A episode. Buckle up. Let's do a chilled out general business Q&A. I've got five questions here, some of which you listeners have submitted and sent to me. Some are through Instagram generally. Some are what clients have asked me. So we've got five. There's a couple of different topics um and we will jump right in but please leave a review of the podcast if you enjoy listening and whether you're binging lots of episodes right now and this is just another one that you're stumbling to or whether you listen every week religiously I love either option and it's great that you are coming back if you are a regular so let's dive into it Question one, what is your version of success? What a beautiful question. This is such a lovely question to be asked. I have done a whole episode on this, which was episode 73 of the podcast. And that was all around success and redefining success. And in that I go through a kind of framework and a step-by-step guide that you can actually do yourself to help you understand what success looks like for you. However, just to briefly judge on it, My version of success is ultimately freedom and it's ultimately peace of mind. So not having loads of stress, not being super anxious, having the freedom to do pretty much whatever I want, being able to say yes to things, being able to go out for lunch on a Wednesday afternoon, just, you know, just chilling out and being there for people, being able to be present, being able to have conversations with friends and family where you're fully there. You're not thinking about other things. You're actually in the moment. And that for me is success. I don't need super crazy things. I don't need mega lifestyle stuff. And although that's lovely, you know, and don't get me wrong, I really enjoy, I have some really nice things that I do in my life, which is lovely. But ultimately my real metric of success is, you know, going to the countryside and just enjoying the silence and being with the people I love most. That is so rewarding so wholesome so beautiful and that's the stuff that really excites me and why I do what I do because not only do I want that for myself and I have that for myself which is gorgeous is to give more people that to show others that it's possible and to encourage others to be like yeah do you know what this life thing I can do it and I can enjoy it and have fun in the process and not take it too seriously so that would be my answer to number one Number two is another biggie. It is how can I get over imposter syndrome? Now, with this one, we need to breathe. (laughs) Imposter syndrome is a word that I don't love. It's a concept I don't love. I don't talk about it a lot. I touch on it, but it's not something I pay too much attention to, mainly because I think the more we talk about it, often the bigger it becomes and it becomes out of hand and it's a very topical issue and it's something that has been sort of adhered to via women which I don't agree with because you know men can have imposter syndrome too so I'm not sat here denying it I'm not saying that it doesn't exist I'm just saying that I think we have to be really careful 
as to how much we indulge ourselves over it. Because if you do focus on it, you will find that it really eats you away. And so I'm going to say something now that you might think is controversial, but I would say that I don't feel a lot of imposter syndrome. I don't resonate with the term. Now, that's not me to say that, like, I don't ever feel out of my depth or I don't ever think, oh, you know, am I the best person for this? But I don't choose to label it and I choose not to lean into the idea that it's an issue and it's a thing and it's this bad disease, okay? If you wake up and go to bed thinking about it, it is going to be there and it's going to be present. However, to be more practical of how can you get over it, I would say you just keep doing it. You keep facing up to the stuff that feels weird, the stuff that feels difficult, the stuff that feels out of your depth, and you just keep going. And you prove yourself wrong. And you prove yourself wrong time after time after time, and you start to realise that actually you are allowed to take up space. You're allowed to be in a room. Your opinion is, you know, matters. You can be heard. It's safe for you to be who you are. And I know that when I say that, if you're crippled with it and you feel like every single day you're an imposter, then that's not going to be too helpful and you're going to be like, yeah, great for you, like, lovely. But I would really encourage you to say, like, well, think about it. The, how can you challenge yourself to say I am allowed to be in this room the biggest thing I think is helpful for that is to remember that no one has a clue what they're doing nobody does everybody's winging it adults are just big children parents are not given a manual of how to raise children leaders and CEOs doing the best job they can and I think what really helps with this is if you go into an environment in an industry where you realise that the people who are supposedly really good at X, Y, and Z thing or supposedly experts or supposedly leaders in X, Y, and Z area, and then you start to realise, hang on a minute, this isn't that. And you start to see the cracks and you start to see what the reality truly is. And that kind of stuff is where we really peel back the onion as I like to say and you just see that people are human beings and they might have an entourage and they might have loads of different bits and pieces that go with them but ultimately at the core they're just a human being that's had a you know they're a flawed human being they have issues they're not perfect nobody is they have worries they have fears they struggle but all of that's okay what isn't okay is hiding what isn't okay is letting a label be attached to you and using it as a reason to not do things because all you're doing is negatively impacting yourself you're just negatively impacting yourself and letting someone else take up space of what you want to be doing because often imposter syndrome comes around about jobs careers businesses going for new opportunities going for bigger clients um speaking on stages that's the stuff where the imposter syndrome comes up and it isn't serving anybody but the person it's least serving is you you are the one that's suffering from it but you're also the person that has the ability to do something about it because the other challenge is is nobody but you can control it I can talk to you about it you're listening to this right now and you might be listening and feeling resistance in your body you might feel sweaty you might feel like you're having a bit of a 
a reaction, you will feel a response. Maybe even your fight and flight's kicked in because you're like, ah, she's calling me out. But remember that I can't control what you do. You are the one that is deciding how you choose to react to things. And so trying to take ownership over imposter syndrome and saying, look, you can keep going there. You can still yap away, but I'm not going to listen to you. And so my practical response and sort of um, method to imposter syndrome is I let it have a ball. Let it be there. We're not going to try and remove imposter syndrome because if it wants to be there, it wants to be there. So let it have a party. Let it have a little piece inside of you. But what you're also going to do is just let it be there. You're not going to give it attention. You're not going to get involved with it. You're not going to kind of um, indulge it. You're just going to let it be. And instead, you're going to fill your mind with tons of really positive things, tons of things that you're great at. Explain to it and talk yourself through why you're okay, why you're safe, why it's okay to be the real you. And you let the imposter syndrome have its thing and you let it say whatever you want, but you're not listening to it. You're just letting it be. And that has changed so much of the way I see things day to day, the way I see fear, the way I see challenges, new things, unknown things. And I know it's helped a lot of clients. You know, I've, I've spoken to people about that and they've come back months later and said, thank you. Like that's really helped me. It's really changed the way I view it, especially the idea of letting it be and not fighting it, but just letting it be there, but just not paying any attention to it. That can really help you just sit with it and be more at peace. And you know, I'm not saying that it won't come up <laughs> when something really big's happening. It might be that you are going to tick off a goal that's been on your goal board for years and years and years. And all of a sudden you have a 360 where you feel like you don't want to do it anymore. You're panicking, you're stressing, you think I can't do it. I'm not right for it. Yada, yada, yada. That's normal. It's a human response. You know, it's normal to get anxious. It's normal to be nervous. But nervous and excitement is the same emotion to some degree. Like your brain registers it. So pick, say, I am excited, even if you're nervous. And decide to let yourself feel a whole host of emotions. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to have responses and to not enjoy necessarily what your body is telling you, but accepting it and saying, okay, that's okay. You feel that. And then you can move on. I hope that helps. If you want me to talk more on imposter syndrome, let me know because I'm more than happy to do so but not loads. <laughs> there is, um, there's an episode where I've spoken briefly about it, but it does have imposter syndrome in the title. So if you want to scroll back, it's only over, the, I think it was September, 2023. That was when it was, um, released. So you can have a look back at that. Question number three. If you have a question, by the way, that pops up whilst you're listening to this Q and A, feel free to send it through to me. Um, you can send it to supportofmayjames.com or you can find me on Instagram at may.james underscore and send me a message on there and say, I've got a question for the podcast and I will endeavor to answer it. It might take me a little bit of time, but we will add it to the list of questions. So number three, 
I have just started my business and want to leave my job. Not sure whether to or not. Advice, please. Oh my goodness, congratulations. So that's really exciting that you've started your business and it's really exciting that you want to leave your job. Not sure what to do. Advice, please. Okay, so generally my answer to this is don't leave if you don't have to. Keep the two things going at the same time for as long as you possibly can. There is a caveat. If you need to get out for a particular reason, obviously leave. If your mental health needs you to remove yourself from situations that is not healthy, do that. But beyond that, if it's a case of you quite like your job, you don't mind it, it's all right, and it's serving a purpose in the sense of it's paying you every month a consistent income, but you quite fancy the idea of being fully self-employed, I would really, really encourage you to do both at once for as long as you possibly can until the business is at a point where either it can pay you the same amount of money that um, you get now or you know that the business is in a position where even if you're going to reinvest and still reinvest all the profit you're making, but you know that there's a timeline and there's a plan of how that's going to work in terms of how you can live. I'm really not a fan of putting people in difficult positions in terms of their income just to grow their business because I've actually seen it where it really doesn't work. And often if you're nervous and anxious and scared about money, then going and selling just doesn't work very well. So I'd much rather you get to a point where you come to me and you're like, mate, I just can't do this anymore. I'm working X amount of hours at work. I'm doing X amount of time on the business. The business is making X amount of profit. It's going really well. I think I've got to leave. Like at that point, leave, go for it, do it. But don't think you have to quit your job tomorrow just to start a business or to to allow your business to grow. You can still scale a business and have a job. There's some amazing people in the world who have a full-time job and then have a six-figure, a seven-figure business on the side that runs with them. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying everybody can do that, but I'm saying that it's possible. And so I would personally be really strategic about that. I think I've mentioned this before. If I could have a job, like a, a conventional job, I probably would do which I know some of you are going to be like, when on earth would you fit that in? <laughs> which is more of the question. But I would be really up for it. I don't think it's something bad. I don't think you should feel like you're not a proper business owner if you're not full-time. Or don't feel like, oh, well, it's just a little business then if, if it's a side hustle. Like, no, you can change your life with your side hustle, change your life with your business that you're growing. So don't panic about that. But I personally don't. I'm not someone who sits and says, go and get into loads of debt, go and quit your job, like, and just change everything about your life because I don't think that's great the other thing to say is if you do decide to leave your job make sure you have a really 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 strong plan of how you're going to spend the extra time that you've accrued because a lot of people quit their job and then the first three months of that is a complete shit show and they don't do very much and it's a real strange readjustment period and they go from feeling like they had no time before to then having so much time that they don't know what to do for it to feel so chaotic and overwhelming and then they just mentally check out and they're just like I'm done and they don't have that experience that they want it to be so to avoid that and to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen one of the solutions that I've found that works really well for people is having a clear off-boarding plan in terms of that transition 
from being employed to not being employed and them understanding what that first six weeks look like. What's their new schedule? Like you need to set a schedule. And I know some people say like, well, you've quit your job and you don't want to give yourself another job, which is true. But the flip side of that is, is that for some people too much freedom is just a complete freak out. Like it's really weird for people. And so don't be shy in terms of creating plans, creating understanding around what's your general flow? What's a routine? What's something that you're going to follow Monday to Thursday, for example? The other practical thing I would say is actually think about doing part-time. If part-time's an option, why don't you drop your hours and go down to part-time? That can be a really lovely way. And that's the way that if it's an option, I know it's not always an option, but if it is, I really encourage that and think it's a really great thing to do, mainly because it gives you the best of both worlds. Also, sometimes when you quit your job, a lot of people find that really isolating and they really freak out in the sense of from the social perspective because they think, oh my goodness, like I just sit on my own all day. This is if you're working on your own. You might have a team, but you know, a lot of people, excuse me, are leaving their job and they're going to work for themselves. And so therefore, you know, it might be quite isolating. And if that is you, then doing the part-time thing can really work. Okay, next up, number four. This is a funny question. I like this. It's a good one. Somebody has said, does strategy actually matter? Question mark. Can I do without one? This is a great question because I suppose it's it's a valid question, right? Does strategy actually matter? Can I do that one? Okay, first question. Does strategy actually matter? Yes, I would say it does. However, it depends what your business goals are and it depends what you want to get out of an experience of being an entrepreneur and a business owner. If, and there's a few categories here, If you want to scale a big business, you want to grow a unicorn, yes, you need a strategy. If you are needing to make money in a decent space of time and you want to take money out and profit and need to live off it, yes, you need a strategy. If you want to grow something that that doesn't belong to you, like you want to build something to sell it, yes, you need a strategy. If, though, you don't need the money to rely on and it's more of a fun thing, no, you don't have to have a strategy. You can do without one. If you are not in any hurry to take money out of the business and you're happy to kind of go around in circles and try things and fail and do various things, no, you probably don't need one. You can probably go around in circles. However... Most of the people I speak to are impatient because we're human beings, are people who are on a mission. They've got something to do. They've got impact they want to make in the world. They've got people that need them to show up for them. There's various responsibilities they have. And so they need certain things to work. They need a shortcut. They want a clear path. They want to understand what's the next thing. How am I going to get there? And so therefore having a strategy really, 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 really matters hugely because without it it isn't going to be pretty and you're going to waste a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of tears a lot of the time (laughs) and so that's something you need to think about strategy does matter it makes businesses grow faster it makes the process of growth easier is it possible to have a really successful business without a strategy yeah 100 percent however 
most nearly every business is following a strategy they just might not know it so it's not a conscious strategy it's not a written down strategy it's not a strategy that has been crafted and tweaked it might just be that you know you follow something and you do something and you take a set of actions and that in itself is a strategy but strategy really matters and there is serendipitous moments there is the one percent of businesses or the 0.5 percent of businesses where they don't have a plan and they don't have a strategy and it all just magically works and that's great but that's so few and far between like for the hundreds of thousands of businesses that are set up every year that's a very 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 small amount and so banking on that being you is a bit fucking stupid it's a bit silly like why what's the point <laughs> Like, you're better off going for a strategy. And then if you are the 1% or the 0.5% who is a unicorn, bingo. You've made yourself even a better unicorn and in a better position and you can have more time off and you can enjoy it more. So yes, your strategy does matter. Your strategy is the difference between it taking 10 years and it taking two years or the difference between taking 30 years and taking 10 years. Like, it is an absolute rocket fuel for business success what I would say is if you're at the beginning of your business sometimes creating a strategy is difficult because you don't know what you're creating it on sometimes you don't know what you want sometimes you're not sure on what the purpose is you don't really know why you would need one and that is where sometimes it's a question mark I would still argue that you can be strategic and that the action you take is part of a strategy. It just might be that the big overall strategy, the long-term vision, isn't able to be created because maybe you don't really get what you're trying to do with that. And that's 100% okay. But what you've got to be prepared of is that it might just take you a bit longer. But, you know, strategy is a mystified word. It's something that people get really head up about. It's something that they're unsure of they're like I don't really know what's going on here I'm not sure have I got a strategy have I not I mean most people have got a strategy they just might not be aware of it but ultimately the more that you can plan ahead the more that you can start mitigating problems before they rock up and that's really positive and really great for business because it means that the growth that you experience can be smoother and you can make it more reliable and in turn more sustainable and that's what people want people want sustainable business they want something that's reliable they don't want this roller coaster up and down heart attack inducing cycle that some people are in and so if that's if you don't want that and you want this calm sustainable reliable situation then having a strategy having a growth strategy and having other strategies that surround your general business strategy really will help number five this is a really interesting question. Number five is about tools and software. So I haven't talked about much about this. This is interesting. Someone has said, what are your top tools and software you use in the business every day? Such a good question. There's quite a list. <laughs> I've got to be honest. So just to preference this, we use quite a lot of different software tools, different things. I won't be able to remember them all off the top of my head, but I'll give you a good go. Um, one of the most frustrating parts about that is 
If I could have one system that did everything, I'd be very happy. However, all-in-one systems don't really work. Yet. I still believe that by the time I'm rather old, we might have got there and there may be a system that does do everything. But right now there isn't. And so we've tried a lot of all-in-one systems for many different, you know, market and operations pieces and... Some of them are great, some of them are not. Some of them are nearly there and can nearly do everything. Some of them really desperately can't. And it's always a juggling act. It's always something that we review. It's something that we tweak. It's something we work out. Is it working? Is it not? Can we go somewhere else? Should we go somewhere else? Weighing up that, planning it in. Um, For example, we're going to make a shift in the new year into a different system, a number of them, two or three actually. And that's been planned in for over six months in terms of preparing for the move, understanding whether it's going to work or not, how we're going to change things. That's all planned in. It takes a while. Some services, softwares, tools that we use, we can decide there and then on a day and decide that we're going to start using them. But, you know, not all the time. There's various, it depends on how big of a job and how many stakeholders are included in terms of when we pick a software and how it's going to be used. But let's list off some for you. So, Google Suite, G Suite is our kind of um, go-to for that sort of stuff. Email, documents, that kind of thing. We use Dubsado, which is our kind of, or one of our ways that clients will sign contracts and invoices can be automated and projects can be created and all sorts can happen in there, but mainly for payment and contracts, lead capture forms, that sort of thing. We also use Airtable. Airtable is a huge part of the business. I love it. I know it's going through some changes at the minute in the sense of what sort of clients they are desiring or going after. And some people, you know, it's really frustrating for those of us with <laughs> with smaller businesses. Um, but I love Airtable. Airtable is a fantastic resource. We use that for planning. We use it across departments in the business for client management, team management, marketing, um my day-to-day we use it for so many different things which is great and I really love as I've mentioned love Airtable for podcasting we use Riverside to record podcasts we used to use GarageBand inside of like Apple but actually the start of this year we decided to switch to Riverside and it's really good and I really like it so that's great we host via Anchor which has been bought by Spotify I believe that's what it's called, but now Spotify have it, which is a really nice podcasting situation. We obviously use Canva, like many of you do, for graphics and things. Um, We use Facebook to host one of the programs that we run, which is cool. We use Slack for team communication and client communication. We also use Voxer, which is an app like WhatsApp, which we also use for both of them. We use Showit to is our website hosting platform, which is really cool because you can go in and edit and it's super easy. And what I like about Showit is you can design on mobile and you can design for web and they can be two different things on the same page, essentially the same URL, which is really good. Um, we have ClickUp, which we don't use a huge amount in the business, but it is there and it is sort of, it exists. We use Zoom for our um, client calls, team calls, that sort of thing. 
We also use Kartra. Now we are going to be, we are in the process of moving at the moment. Um, but Kartra is an all-in-one marketing email sales platform that you can do various different things on. You can host your website, you can um, set up, you know, opt-ins, welcome sequences, you can do all sorts in there. We are moving and transitioning. So we are going to be moving to Teachable, which is exciting. We've used Teachable in the past. We are going back to Teachable. Um, and Teachable is like a course hosting platform. What else are we using? There is such a long list. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else we use. There'll be loads that I haven't mentioned that you're shouting thinking what, but we use Stripe as many of you will use for online payments. We use Xero for our accounting software. Let me think, what else are we using? I'm just looking at my computer to work out, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm missing. Our email marketing software, we use Klaviyo which I really like actually, people ask me a lot about that. So Clavio came about because we needed a software in the business for the CEO edit, which is our weekly newsletter that you should join. Join the, there'll be a link below, join the newsletter. It's great. Um, it's a weekly installment that has a mixture of lifestyle picks and business. So it's not super business heavy. It's more about feeding the lifestyle around that. So if you're a business, busy businesswoman, you like nice things, that is a really lovely resource. And we moved our whole email market and just to accommodate for that about nearly a year ago now. I really like it. I think it's good. If you've got a product-based business, it is an absolute dream for that. So it's mainly, you know, I'd say it's built for product-based businesses, but it is, it still works for us. We use YouTube because we have a YouTube channel. Um, I'm trying to think what else used I feel like there's loads of stuff and I just can't think what it is but hopefully that's given you some insight <laughs> into what we're using as I said earlier I'd love to use one thing and be done but it isn't really realistic and um it well no that's not fair it's very realistic but because of the complexities of the things that we like to do in the business or because of certain tiny little details that I want to have or feel strongly about it means that we have various different platforms going on. And as obviously I'm not saying that that's right or that's good. I'm just saying it is what it is. We also use Zapier to connect all of these together because I know some of you are going to be like, how on earth does this all sync up and do you get this all moving? So we use Zapier, which is a great piece of software to get things to talk to each other and automate things as much as possible. Um, and yeah, we're moving to Thrivecart as well um, later in the year. So that's a little insight into the top tools and software that I use. Um, if there's one that I haven't mentioned that you're like, what do you use for X, Y, and Z thing? Come and ask me. I'm an open book. I'm more than happy to to share my thoughts and what we, what we use in the business. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed hanging out with you. I've enjoyed this conversation. Please leave a review. I will see you next week. Share this with your business friends. Share it with your pals. I really appreciate when you do that. It really helps the podcast to grow and it helps more people to have this kind of really in-depth, useful business knowledge. Take care and I will speak to you soon. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Honest Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you are subscribed. And if you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others and leave a rating and review. 
To catch up with all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at may.james underscore, where I share the raw, uncut, behind-the-scenes reality of what running multiple businesses every day truly looks like. As always, links and any resources that were mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes below. That's all for this episode, and I look forward to seeing you next time.